You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents Network of Podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is New York Times bestselling author Wendy Corsi Staub, the award-winning author of more than 80 novels in a career that has spanned more than two decades. Staub has twice been nominated for the Mary Higgins Clark Award. She lives in the New York City suburbs with her husband and her two children, and she joins me today to talk about Blue Moon, the second novel in her Monday's Landing trilogy. Blue Moon is available now from William Morrow Books. Thank you for joining us, Wendy. Thank you so much. Now, did I get that right? Is it is it a trilogy? Do we know it that? It is. I want to talk all about how you plot for a trilogy, but just tell us a little bit without giving too much away. Okay, it's set in a town that is synonymous with murder. It's a small town in upstate New York. It's fictional. I sort of based it on Rhinebeck, New York. It's in the Hudson Valley, but the town itself has seen its share of bloodshed in the past. And so I wanted a way to make it believable that murder might happen here again. But on the other side of it, it's sort of a quintessential, lovely American town. And when these things start arising and happening, it's super creepy set against the backdrop of this idyllic community, right? That's the scariest thing there is to me. It's sort of where do you feel safest? Where's your haven? And the thought that something violent or unexpected could happen where you feel like you know what to expect is is always um, a theme in my suspense novels. It is. And, and you're known for your pace. Your pace is, is always so quick and it's, you know, it's always the quintessential page turner. And what that means to me is that you have to plot so carefully because there has to be, you know, layer upon layer upon layer. So talk to us about how you approach that. I've, I've read that you say, Initial ideas are not your problem. Finding the time to execute is your biggest problem. But okay, so you have the initial idea, but all of the twists and turns, how do you how do you map that out? I often work backward. Um, I will start with not rushing. I would say running through the first two chapters just to get something down and see where it takes me. And then it's very painstaking for me to get the next, like I would say the first two thirds of the book. Um, that's very painstaking. I'm going back and layering in and working with what I've started, you know, just sort of the idea. And then when I reach the final third, it also writes like a rocket. But then I have to go back and place red herrings and clues. Yeah, so I've heard that before. So very mm-hmm. often you you take the whole arc, you see it through, and then you, you double back mm-hmm. to load in the distractions and, and the false starts and everything else. Which, and even the real clues, because sometimes things present themselves in the end, and you feel like this is so organic. It was right under my nose, and I need to bring it a little bit more to the forefront. It emerges as you sort of work to the end of the plot. Right. So you you live in a nice town, you have a nice family, and yet so running around in your brain at all times is just crazy 
diabolical yeah. stuff. <laughs> Basically, I'm a suburban mom. Um, grew up in a in a completely functional, very happy uh, family. Uh, my childhood was like, idyllic, as close to idyllic as you can get, probably. But um, yeah, I think it's a control freak thing. <laughs> I think that I'm in charge of destiny in fiction, and I'm control freak in real life. And you don't get to control very much. So I think, in a way, I work out some of those dark. You know, we all, especially as a mom, you know, I I, I found that the world was a scary place. And I wanted to control. Yeah. All right. So you did, you grew up in a large a Sicilian family, is that right? Um, Sicilian, a little bit of Roman. My grandfather would be sad if I didn't put that in, yes, but yeah, it's largely, but all <laughs> Italy. Yeah. <laughs> And you say that you sort of, you know, you sat around the table and you you told stories, but you also talk about knowing, you know, as early as third grade that this was what, not you wanted to do, but this was what you would do. I would do it. I always said I would do it. And um, I, I feel like... When there's no room for any kind of doubt, I never changed my mind. It was, you know, I was driven. I just were you ever afraid that you would change your mind? No, no, it just never. There was never a doubt. No, never a doubt. It was the only thing I I felt so passionate about that I, you know, it was in my blood. And I thought I was lazy until I started working as an author because I thought, oh, nothing really made me feel compelled to sit down every day and do it. So you went to school in upstate New York. And then you you moved down to New York City, and you started working at an independent bookstore. Which bookstore was it? I actually worked in the bookstore upstate, upstate. Okay. when I was in uh, high school uh, in college. In college, there were two, um, and then I moved here and got into publishing. So I was right. an editor. Oh, that's right, you were an editor. And how long were you an editor? Uh, about two years. And then my husband got a job transfer right around the time I sold my first novel. So it was sink or swim. We moved out of New York for about uh, three, four years. And I had to make it as a writer. So you sold your first book in 1991. Is that right? Uh, 1992. Okay. May 18th. I know the date. You know the date. Because you received, <laughs> the phone a, call. you received a phone call. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, I was in my office um, after, you know, it was about 530. And I got the phone call and I screamed. Uh, so loudly that uh, my friend who was working in the office next door knew I had a, a sub, um, submission out as always. And she shoved a note under my door as she was leaving for the train and said, I heard you scream. I know you must have sold your book. Was, and you've never, you never forget it, right? It's like, your, it's like your first home run in the major leagues oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. And it was, at that point, it was, a, it was a mystery, but for young adults, is that right? Yeah, it was a paranormal ghost story mystery, yeah. So yeah. you were ahead of your time there as well, because... Yeah, it was hot at the time, and then it went it? away for a while, and then okay. it came back again. The genre came full circle. Well, tell us a little bit about the variety of work that you produce, because it's, it's rather broad. Um, I think that it's because I have that background, not only in editorial, but also working retail in a bookstore. Um, And I did that because I wanted, I was so driven to become an author, I wanted to do my homework and learn the business behind the scenes and see you know, to see what makes somebody pick up a book off a shelf or how can I sell my novel, basically. Um, so I was always very commercial as an author. I think I came at it from a place that it had to be a career for me, and I wanted to sell, not just write, um, not just write for myself. I wanted people to yeah. buy my books. So every time I hit a genre when it was hot, it would sort of fade away as, as these trends come and go, and I would basically reinvent myself to keep on working. And um, another piece of that is I'm very prolific, kind of quick writer. I do everything quickly, and I wanted to keep working. I couldn't just sit there when something was out. I wanted to diversify and, and have another project in the works. So how many words do you average a day? 
Uh, it depends. If I'm in the middle of a book, it could be painstaking um, a few hundred. But toward the end, I don't know. My record is probably 10,000 words in a day, oh, I think, wow. uh, working about 24 hours, pounding through. I mean, I will go back and edit that, of but course. just getting of it course. down. Of course, yeah, just um, But I work by page number, and I work every Friday on my calendar. I have a page number that I really need to be um, to reach by that Friday, or else I'm off track, and then my my schedule falls apart, and so does the publishers. And you've also, do I have this right? You've also ghostwritten novels, not nonfiction, but novels. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> All right, now it's likely that you can't tell, you can't yeah. use any names, but I want like one crazy story from your ghostwriting novel days. Um, well, I'll tell you, I, I, some of them I can't reveal, obviously, and that's why they've hired me over the years, because I can be discreet. But um, a few that I um, have co-authored with, um, I, I co-authored novels with Ed Koch. When I first moved to New York, he was the mayor, and I was, you know, the starving writer. And the next thing I knew, flash forward about 10 years, and, and I get a phone call, you know, please hold for Ed Koch, and the mayor's on the phone. And uh, it, it was surreal, just that, and, and getting to meet him and work with him. So he has a desire to write a novel. Mm-hmm. But he's uncertain how to execute it. So his publisher paired him up with you. H- how does one become yeah, a his fiction ghostwriter? Um, I was actually pregnant. I was about eight months pregnant with my firstborn when they approached me. I had just finished a project and I was you know, about to twiddle my thumbs thinking, oh, I have, I have weeks to go. And um, they asked me if I would book doctor. His, uh, his okay. first book was co-written with another author and it needed some tweaking. And they knew I had an editorial background and that I was between projects. So I actually said, sure, I, have, I probably have six weeks. I bet I'll be late. Everyone in my family's late. And then... I was early. <laughs> I still had to finish Funny. the book. And it's, I don't know why it's surprising to me that that same process, because they do that with feature films all the time. Those, you know, they, they bring somebody else in to layer in the jokes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I wasn't as aware that fiction, you know, sort of celebrity fiction was treated this way, but I guess it makes it's, sense. And he he and I hit it off. Um, he liked what I did with that. When he found out, I, I delivered my baby on a, a Friday, and I came home Sunday, and they Monday they asked for the book within, like, two more days, I think, and he was impressed by that and asked me to co-author the rest with him. Yeah, who so wouldn't was, be impressed by that? He was, I well, he was know. just sort of like, <laughs> you just had a baby. Thank you for delivering. And I thought, well, you're the mayor. <laughs> All right, so do you do you take vacations? Uh, yeah, I, I do, and um, I haven't in almost a year. I have to say I work just about every day, so um, I'm looking forward to this. But are you, when you take a vacation, are you able to turn it off and to sit on the beach and read something else? I do, and I actually take a little vacation every afternoon. I swim laps because my back is so bad, and I read audiobooks well, I while say, I swim. you swim laps, <laughs> and I knew this about you, which I love, but that to me that's kind of – that's kind of more research or work, right? Because you're listening to others, and I'm sure you're making mental notes as you're going along. I found that nonfiction and, and nonfiction. Well, I, I try to read nonfiction when I'm writing fiction, and it's really hard to take notes while you're underwater. That's true. All right, <laughs> so, all right. So I'll give you, I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. Well, now I'd like to talk to you a little bit about publishing in addition to writing. I mean, you've been doing this for a, a little while. What? What is the biggest change that you've seen in just the process? Okay, so now you're on whatever, you know, novel number 80 with HarperCollins, and you published with us previously, you know, Mm -hmm. very earlier in your career, right? So what do you find is the biggest change? I think that readers not only want a piece of you, they expect a piece of you, and you really have to be accessible, and it does take up time. And I think that I owe 
that to the people who read my books. I really try to interact with them. I spend some time on Facebook um, every day. Facebook is my favorite social media um, platform. There are others. I think that it's necessary, at least in my experience. And um, so that's a huge that's a huge time yeah. drain. Yeah, and that is a huge change, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also find that I'm fascinated by these. You know, not just my old high school friends and my dad is on there, but I'm fascinated by people's lives and sort of um, I get caught up in it. And it's hard for me to rein that in and remember, okay, the pages have to come first today. Right. And what do you find is sort of the most frustrating or the most challenging now with the way that your book is accepted and edited and published and promoted? Um, I used to hear people say they don't read reviews, and I'd think, oh, yeah, sure, right, because I would stalk Google and, you know, look for my name every day and be on Amazon looking for reviews. I think I do have a thick skin, but I'm only human, so I do... Um, I, I pick and choose. I, I don't read Amazon reviews anymore. I have someone that sort of looks for me to make sure that there are no spoilers out there or whatever, um, you know, Barnes & Noble, um, platforms like that. Yeah, where yeah. Because I think that you can take that to heart. And if you're having a bad day and you're feeling vulnerable and someone just trashes you, because that happens. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I love the compliments. So <laughs> that's really nice. And I love it when someone will steer me in the direction of you know, something positive. But I really try to limit my exposure to that because I think that you can get so caught up in it and you can be riddled with self-doubt. You feel like the high school girl all over again, you know, sort of middle school girl, I would say, not secure in, in who and where where you are in your career. So. Can you remember the first time you were exposed to an author, like an author visit yes. at school? Yes. Yeah, so tell us about that. Yeah, we didn't have author visits at school back then, and that's sad. Um, and I'm always happy to tell kids these days, because I do a lot of school visits, how lucky they are yeah. to have that. Not only that, but teachers who assign you know, creative writing assignments. We had very little of that. Um, my first exposure to an author, I was working part-time in the bookstore. Uh, I was in college, and it was Roxanne Pulitzer had just released her novel, and I was starstruck. And they allowed me to work the night that she came into the store to sign, and I just remember shaking, you know, just this is a real author. Um, that was my first. That was 1980, I would say 84, yeah. maybe, yeah, 85. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. And she was very kind. All right, and if you had to recommend, you can go back in time and recommend a book to a 13-year-old boy, so sort of your reluctant reader, or what did you recommend? Well, I always, uh, you know, my son kind of read up, uh, my older son. My younger one loved Rick Riordan. He loved the fantasy uh, and, of course, Harry Potter. He was the reluctant reader and would read sort of at his age group because he wanted to discuss with the other kids, like everybody was talking about at school. My older son is more of a bookworm and a writer, and he would read, you know, I handed him a Harlan Coben one day. We were at the beach uh, when he was very young. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so he got into reading adult thrillers very young. Now, who are some of your first readers when you're when you're working on something and you're sharing pages? Who do you go to? I have two. There are only two that will ever see unpublished. Um, oh, well, really? three if my younger son would. Uh, yeah, my husband is my. Uh, he he's an avid reader. We work together, and I trust his judgment. He's he's very commercial, and his background is in advertising and marketing, so he gets my brand right. that I'm you know, sort of always true to what my readers expect. Um, so he reads it, and I actually have pages in my bag today of the new one um, that I'm about to hand to him tonight. And my son, my my older son, really? also reads, yeah, and, and gives me feedback when he has time. Uh, and my younger one, 
I was doing text messages once uh, in my The Good Sister, which Harper published a few years ago, and he saw over my shoulder I was working, and he's like, what is that supposed to be? I said, that's a text, you know, from a 13-year-old girl. And he said, that's not how. And he was about 13 at the time. He rewrote that. Every text in that book he rewrote to make it authentic. Oh, that's so helpful. he was, in that case, one of my readers. I wouldn't trust anyone else. Really? So, But your husband can keep up. He can. <laughs> He's ready right now. I told him, be ready for pages tonight because uh, Lucia, my editor, is yes. on vacation. Yeah, She's coming back. And I said, the book will be on your desk when you get back. So he's got to. And you're never going to disappoint it. Lucia, are you? No. Never. I, she's fantastic and patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Now, were you to be banished to a desert island and you could take only three books, which three would you take? You know, it would have to be three, I think, that I had read in childhood. Those are the books that I always come back to. Um, And it would have to be, uh, well, God, that is so hard. Little Women I reread every Christmas. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a huge Little House fan. I visited all the sites. So any one of those books. And The Mixed Up Files, from The Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basilee Frankweiler, was the the book that made me want to move to New York City when I was a kid. I think that's true of a lot of people. Yeah. And I've reread those for so many years that I couldn't be without them. The others are more recent, so... Well, that's lovely. And that's a tough question. I know. I, I, I <laughs> the end of the day. people answer it. That's the last one. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Congratulations on the book. It's true. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.